0: We will have, um, we'll have a read together the first two verses and uh, then we'll have the sisters read the um, 13 and the brothers will follow 14. Yeah. And, and, and so, okay, let's start all together. And I saw heaven open and behold the light sits on a faithful and true, and in just He judges and makes war, Amen. and his eyes are a flame of fire, and on his head are many eyes. And he has a name written, which no one knows but himself. the have the sisters returning. And out of his house received a sharp sword, that is within he might nations, and he will shepherd them with an the iron of God, and he dreads the line of of the purity of the wrath of God the Almighty. Amen, brothers. Amen. Go to um, verses 19 through 21 together. And I saw the beast and the king of the earth and the armies gathered together to make war with him who received on the horse and with his army. And the beast was saved and with him the false prophet. And the by which He deceived those who receive the mark of the beast, and those who worship His image. These two were cast alive into the lake of fire, which burns with crystal, and rests with kill the sword, which proceeds out of the house of who sits on the horse. So we'll just pray uh, before this meeting. Perhaps um, a few brothers, and sisters. Amen. Amen. Lord Jesus. Amen. Oh, we just this afternoon we give you this time. Amen. Continue to pray for your speaking. Pray for the release of your word. supply our brother. Amen. Oh, Lord, strengthen him. Amen. Oh, with this release for your body. Amen. 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 Get out of everything that's not focused on you. Amen. Amen. We want to
1: be proud of you. Amen. Found up with you heart. Amen. Amen. Lord, make us those who fight. Amen. Lord, we want to be those who are one with you. Amen. Lord, for your interest. Amen. You would gain your kingdom. Amen. Lord, we pray for them.
0: Lord, kingdom come. Yeah. Oh, as in heaven, so also on earth. Yeah. I'm with you for your interest. Yeah. Amen. It's a victorious meeting. Amen. want to defeat the enemy. Amen. Prepare your warrior. Amen. Prepare your Thank you for
1: here. Amen. Keep going into us. God's economy, the economy of God, the body of Christ, and the consummation of the age. God's eternal purpose is carried out in space and time in different stages in succeeding ages or dispensations. This is the way it is by God's arrangement and he is on the throne forever and ever possessing all authority. In any particular age he has a goal to accomplish and he deals with people in a certain way. When he has fulfilled what he intended then the age changes. When an age changes, nothing and no one can stop it, although there is non-acceptance and maybe outright resistance. The resistance to the changing of the age from the age of grace to the age of the kingdom will be so intense that human armies will literally fight directly against Christ. And the center of these armies will be the revived Roman Empire with ten kings. Well, where was the Roman Empire? It wasn't in Patagonia. That's the south of South America, very south of Argentina. It wasn't in New Zealand. It wasn't in Canada. It involved Europe. I'm not here to try to speculate on who are the ten kings and what are the countries that will produce them We simply stand first on the prophetic word that there will be an image with ten toes. The ten toes are the ten kings. And we stand on the interpretation which we received from great teachers that preceded us and which has been refined through the Lord's ministry of this age that the ten toes of the image and the ten kings will be ten rulers of ten nations in the revived Roman Empire. And surely that involves Europe. Uh, I don't claim to know much about Europe. I've been interested in the thought and culture of Europe for a number of decades. Because Europe is really the source of the U.S. Although once the Europeans got there and confronted the continent another character of nation was produced. We need to realize soberly how ungodly it is and will be. Much of Europe considers itself post-Christian, and this kind of thought has been circulating since before the end of World War II. And we're confronting, on the one hand, an ungodly situation, an overtly rebellious situation, yet a situation due to spiritual emptiness is open to all manner of occult, neo-pagan, and strange things. So I don't know much about the UK, um, but many we consider that post-Christian. There are many who They are atheists, they fight directly against God, at least in thought. Yet, there may be a resurgence of primordial religions, paganism, superstition, who knows what. So we are confronting the most intense opposition against God and against Christ that will ever be seen on the earth. And evidence of this is in Revelation 17. Let me read you the verses, then give you the reference, and I forget, just say, Ron, we need the verses, okay? And the ten horns which you saw are ten kings, who have not yet received a kingdom, but receive authority as kings for one hour with the beast the beast is antichrist and we should pay attention not only to him but to these ten kings these have one mind and they give their power and authority to the beast these will make war with the lamb I'm reading verses 12 through 14 these ten kings they will make war with the lamb And the Lamb will overcome them. The first thing we need to see regarding this warfare is the overcoming of the Lamb. The certainty of victory. Actually, the victory has already been won. Hallelujah! Christ is victor. So as we say, we're not fighting for victory, but from victory. Then verse 14 continues, For he is Lord of lords and king of kings. Okay, there will be ten kings. Maybe some of you will be here. You may be living in those countries. The Spirit directly or through the ministry, according to Amos 3.7, may make it clear The, the revived Roman Empire is taking shape and there's a king there. But there is someone called the king of kings. And the lord of lords. Yes, kings in the open empire, five Roman Empire. You have authority. You have one mind. You give your power and authority to Antichrist. You fight directly against the lord. But you are blind to the fact that you are fighting against The King of Kings. And the Lord of Lords. So we need to appreciate Christ in this status. The King of Kings. Of every emperor. Of every prime minister. Of every president. Of every head of state. He is the King. The Church recognizes this. And prays in this light and Lord of lords, and they who are with him, the called, the chosen, and the faithful, will also overcome them. So when the Lord comes to fight, as the King of kings and the Lord of lords, he will overcome the ten kings. But the overcomers who are with the Lord they will also overcome them. And they will overcome them then because in principle they overcome now. No one who is defeated now is going to be an overcomer then. And these overcomers who compose the Lord's army are called That is a more general situation. Chosen. We know from Matthew 22. Many are called but few are chosen. And faithful. I don't know how much we'll be able to explore this. But this is a particular characteristic the Lord needs at the end of this age. Is faithfulness. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 4, it is sought in stewards to be found faithful. When the Lord gives the reward to the serving ones, as seen in Matthew 25, he will say good and faithful. We're not here to be that gifted. The Lord doesn't need ones that are that gifted. He needs ones that are faithful to be faithful uh, throughout the entire course. So how much worse can it get than the revived Roman Empire, the ultimate expression of human government, with its ten kings, acting as one, as they did in Babel. The people as one. They acted as one. They surrender their authority to the beast, to Antichrist, and then they make war with the Lamb, the redeeming God. Since this will be the situation, the Lamb must also have an army. And there is a principle embedded here that we need to grasp. Some may suppose, why didn't God, as God, As soon as the rebellion took place involving Lucifer and the angels who followed him, why didn't God simply annihilate them, deal with them? Well, according to what I presently understand, because like you, I'm a work in progress, right? So next year it may be different, but this is what I can present now. There are two main reasons why God did not do it. And one of the two will concern us, but I'll mention both so you don't lose sleep wondering what the second one is or engage in idle speculation. Okay? The first is the principle that the rebels are creatures. The devil himself is a creature. He's not a self-existent being. Is a dependent being. And God as the creator will not lower himself to deal directly with a creature. Therefore God must have a creature, a created being to deal with these rebellious created beings. That is the background of Genesis 1.26. Let us make man let them in our image, let them have dominion. This is one reason Satan hates us so much. Because we human beings, male and female alike, by the way. God said, let them have dominion. Male and female, he created them. So it's not just just the special forces men that do it. We are all created for this. The backdrop is the rebellion that took place before we were created and the need for God to have a creature who will subdue and deal with his enemy. The other reason is of a very different sort that God needs an opportunity to display to the universe his multifarious wisdom. So actually, he needs the problems caused by the enemy to create impossible situations, seemingly, so that God, through the Church, will manifest to the universe his manifold and multifarious wisdom. So do not set yourself up for disappointment by supposing that every time there is opposition, every time there is attack, whether from without or within, that God will come in with power and authority and might and eliminate that one. He may, and presently actually is, using all of this as an opportunity to work out something to display His wisdom what the Lord will do is allow the enemy to poison humanity, to corrupt humanity. Now we all have a body of sin and death. We have the the nature of Satan in our flesh. We are miserable according to our fallen situation. Now, God comes in with his complete salvation based on judicial redemption. will recover his chosen ones from this fallen situation, forgive them, cleanse them, justify them, reconcile them, sanctify them, then regenerate them, sanctify them, renew them, transform them, build them up, conform them and glorify them, making them the same as he. Now these are not simply fallen beings of created beings. When they became fallen, they were satanified. Now the Lord will take satanified, fallen human beings and save them to the extent that they are the same as He is in life and nature. Eventually, He will perfect our hearts blameless, according to 1 Thessalonians 3 eventually he will have an entity in whom he God finds no fault and in whom the enemy will find no fault then the Lord will be able to say were these not fallen? were they not sinful? were they not satanified? were they not rebels? were they not formerly in your kingdom? now look what I have done I have redeemed them I have regenerated them renewed them, sanctified them, transformed them, glorified them, conformed them, built them up into one entity. And just as I use you to deal with Job, I even use you to deal with them. Now, I will use them to deal with you. Amen. And according to 1 Corinthians, is it 6, maybe 5? we will judge angels what a display surely something greater from God's point of view than if we had never fallen right away we ran to the tree of life received the divine life got regenerated, became sons of God there's no problem but there's an enemy who is very perversity with his cleverness, gives God amazing opportunities to glorify himself through his wisdom. So if God decides to allow a certain thing to persist, despite our outcries in prayer, maybe we should pause a little and say, Lord, you are the victor, you are the wise God, Lord Jesus, you are our Solomon ruling in wisdom. Apply your wisdom to this situation. But we need to emphasize the first aspect. The principle that the creator will not deal directly with a creature to subdue him. This is something God decided. Let's not speculate on was there some necessity in God? This is just the way it is, okay? Sometimes our mind has to be satisfied with the revelation of the way it is. You know, I would like to know lots of things. I would like to know who did the cave paintings in those caves in the south of France. I've got the feeling I'm never going to know certain stuff. You know, your mind eventually needs to be limited by the divine revelation, and make peace with it. The Lord revealed what He chose to reveal, and that's it. And He has revealed, and of course we needed the ministry to help us to see it, that the Creator needs a creature to deal with this rebellious creature. Now I'm anticipating what we'll read in the first section of the outline, But I think it's best to let things flow out for a while. Then we'll come to the outline. This will principally be a battle of wills. With every, each of the five aspects, every one of them we're considering, there are certain matters that relate to our present experience with the body. We need to live under the head by the dispensing of the divine life and keep the unique organic oneness. Uh, As the bride, we need to have this developing love for the Lord that brings us all the way from appreciation to deification. But regarding the army, which is a matter of war, what is of a particular importance in our being, is our will. Now, no matter what kind of disposition we have by birth, disposition is by birth, whether we're born conciliatory, you know, a peacemaking kind of person, or we're just frankly cowards and don't like confrontation. Or whether we're just strong-willed from the time we came from our mother's womb. I could tell from after I first heard my daughter cry, Oh, whoa, is there a will there? Is there a will? And it doesn't matter how we were raised, whether our parents... uh, gave us some liberty to make decisions, or whether they overrode us at every point and turned us into noodles. (laughs) We didn't even know how to choose what kind of salad dressing to put on. We all have a problem with the will. And basically, the problem is of two kinds. So eventually, we'll need two kinds of dealings with two kinds of results one kind of will is passive this is a very dangerous state to be in but some are just passive the reason it's dangerous and I know this is solid stuff but you can take solid stuff actually it's good for you there is a principle in God's creation that he needs the active cooperation of the human will to understand this we need to understand the difference between the function of our will and will power involving self effort the function of our will is just our faculty to make decisions that i went to the table what, what, what kind of sandwich? I was told it was, it, it was chicken or tuna, but then there was cheese there. <laughs> and I assume chicken or tuna implies, you know, I, I got to make a decision. So, so I exercised my will and I, I chose one cheese and one, one chicken. That was my choice. But let's say that you're concerned, you know, with with weight management. And so you pick up your brown bag at the break. And see, I'm learning a foreign language. You opened it up and there was a bag of crisps. (laughs) Not potato chips. Crisps. And you may make a decision to eat them or not. But if you decide to use the power of your will to overcome your craving for crisps, that's willpower. That's not a decision. That is relying upon your natural strength of will to do something. I'm not talking about that. But we must be able to respond by making choices. Where there is passivity, the Lord will not move. But where there is passivity, the enemy will move and go as far as you will let him go. In Revelation 3.20, I'm borrowing this verse again. The Lord says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door. This is active response. Not just hear and say come in. The Lord would say that's not proper just to say come in while you're lying there on the couch. Open the door. Hear my voice and open the door is an active response to the Lord's knocking. And the Lord will not come in unless we open the door. And actively indicate we want you to come in. Now, using the metaphor of the house with the door, if the devil would come and the door is open and there's no resistance, he'll come in and go as far as you let him go. Now, here's some good news for you. I consider it good news. The enemy knows that God operates by this principle of the will of his creature. And the enemy knows that both God and the angelic beings must respect the exercise of the human will. So let's suppose you were just up and out rebellious some years ago, or you were just passive. Either way, you gave the enemy ground in your being. When you are enlightened by the Spirit... You can exercise your will, not your power, your will to say, Satan, I renounce you. I reject you. I revoke any tacit tacit agreement I made with you. I'm making a choice that my whole being is for the Lord and not for you. And you must give way to me. And he will. And positively, when we tell the Lord, Lord, I choose to present myself to you or to respond to what you're doing today, then the Lord will move in you. Much of what the Lord has been doing in our life has been simply to get us to respond. If we would respond quicker, we save Him and us a lot of time. Now, whether you have a passive will, and difficulty making decisions, or whether you've got a powerful will, you're a strong-willed person. That's just the way you are. Either way, you need the Lord's renewing and His organic salvation. The will is the last of the three parts of our soul to be gained by the Lord and transformed. And we have pictures of a transformed will in Song of Songs. First, the will is like the flowing hair of the seeker. And in her hair is likened to a flock of goats on a mountain slope. There's just the picture there of submission, of subjection. So toward the Lord the will is like hair that's not bound up. It's loose. It's flowing. It's an indication of submission. But later in the book, there's another symbol of the will. That's the neck. The neck. It's significant that Joshua commanded some of his co-fighters put your feet on the necks of the kings then that indicates the will and there in Song of Songs it might be chapter 4 the will is like a tower of David a fortified place and there are weapons of war in there so toward the Lord our will is submissive it's compliant it's flexible Toward the enemy, it's a tower. And the weapons of the warfare are related to the will. The reason this is crucial is that the nature of the warfare itself is a conflict of wills. We know from Ephesians, we know from Revelation 4.11, And from other scriptures, God obviously has a will. He has a will as a counsel, and he has a will as a determination. And he has a will to accomplish his eternal purpose. Isaiah 14, in speaking of the rebellion of Satan, emphasizes will. The enemy says, I will, I will, I will. I will. So now there are two wills. And these wills are not weak. You have the will of God and His eternal will is unchanging. In the realm of His permissive will, He may change. He may adjust. But not in the realm of His determined will. Now there is a being who is in direct defiance saying I will I will lift myself up I will be like the most high so these two wills are in conflict and spiritual warfare involves God's redeemed people one with him not only in spirit but on the level of their will They stand with God for his will to be done. And they stand against the enemy uh, to resist his rebellion in the universe. Now, please don't examine yourself. Do you have this kind of will or not? Let me answer your question. Of course you don't. And of course I don't. We have the potential by God's creation But we need to be renewed. We need to be saved. We need to be transformed. And that is what is going on. Now, a political illustration, but not a political statement. The war in Iraq, this unpopular war, from the point of view of the President of the United States, is a war of wills. And however you feel about the war itself, I believe this is a correct understanding of the nature of the conflict. The other side has a powerful will. It's irrational, but it's powerful. And the other side's view of the U.S. is this. Your will was strong in World War II. But by the time of Vietnam, you had no more will for a protracted fight. So we will wear you down. The present chief executive, that's the president, whatever you may think of him, this is an illustration, not a political statement, he is a man of will, like it or not. He is a man of will, and who knows what the next president will be. The American people, by their character, cannot do anything that requires time. They can't do it. So some of us that were born Americans, we have to learn to get out of the instant everything. Some of you come into the training. You expect instant this and instant that. Okay, my point is that at the end of the illustration is war involves will. Now, this bride who's becoming the army toward her husband, she has a submissive will, an actively submissive will. She is compliant. She is flexible. She has been subdued. Right? Fully subdued. So she and the Lord are one at every level. But, about three and a half years into the wedding feast, I'm speaking kind of poetically here, symbolically here, to illustrate the husband will say, dear wife we have to go on a trip where are we going? well we've been gradually descending you might not be aware of it we're going to Armageddon and where all the armies are well what are we going to do? we're going to go get them we're going to fight them And then she may ask, well, what do I wear to a war? And he might say, dear, your wedding dress is your uniform. Just follow me. So the bride in Revelation 19 is also the army in Revelation 19 and in Revelation 17. And this army must match the commander-in-chief on the level of will. Now, when we are engaging the enemy, we're not coming with flowing hair to show how submissive we are. We have a will like a tower in which there are swords and shields and things and our attitude is we will never give in we will never compromise we're not here to negotiate we don't negotiate with terrorists we defeat terrorists so we are here to apply to you the victory of the Lord Jesus on the cross. So this is the nature of the warfare. So as the Lord works out this word in your life over the coming years, and let's let's suppose that we need some years for this to happen. He will be very concerned about your will to be both flexible and strong naturally some can be flexible there's, there's, you know, there's, there's one dear brother he's a, a lovely brother but I know he'll say yes to everybody and so okay that, that's a little too flexible for me especially if you say yes to conflicting views of things So some, for whatever reason, whether they're afraid of people, they they want to be loved by people, they want to please people, they're just so compliant. Then there are others, they're titanic in their resistance. I, I don't know, you may have a child like this, and at least you've got the advantage of being 27 years older, because you know deep within This little kid is stronger than you are. So some have a powerful will. Whether you are like this or like this, you're in the Lord's hands for renewing and transformation. Eventually, you'll have a will that toward him is so compliant. And because you're compliant, you won't put him in a box. You won't systematize him. That's all you know is, this is where the lamb is moving, and so you follow the lamb. Instead of saying, wait a minute, you indicated yesterday I was supposed to do this. And now you're indicating I'm supposed to do this. Well, some of these experiences are good for you to learn to be subdued. And, brothers, don't be taken in by these apparently compliant, submissive young sisters. They all have claws on their head in the meeting. They're so compliant. You have to recognize inside that one is another kind of will. Don't be shocked. You know, this is exactly the help you need. First of all, for you to be subdued in your will, to be gained by God in your will, then you can learn to subdue her in love, not by a fist. (laughs) Right? So to have this combination of, of flexibility and submission to the Lord, but absolute inflexibility toward the enemy, that's what the Lord will produce in us. Are you willing for Him to produce this in your will? For really? Like my daughter used to say when she was little. For really? I believe so. The army requires this. I mean, Mary has a good point. She's sitting at the Lord's feet. She's listening to the Lord's word. She breaks the alabaster flask and anoints the Lord. That's wonderful. But when it comes to war, we need another characteristic. You need an army composed of those trained in their will and many things we will do in our daily Christian life like exercise the spirit are matters of will if you wait for your feeling to change you'll be trapped because all the enemy has to do is play with your feeling a little bit this morning I didn't feel like getting up but I got up how can I come here and live by my feeling? Giving messages, serving with the brothers—it's not just based on I feel this, I feel that. Then you is going to happen when you're middle-aged, living by the tide of the emotion? You can't fight this way. The Lord must go to the point in us where our will is solid; it's one with Him. And so he's the Lord, he's the head, he's the commander in chief. Whatever he says, amen. Long as it's you, Lord, amen. But, when it comes to dealing with the enemy, no compromise. The enemy should fear. Now, a couple more things. Then we'll read through the outline and then we'll share. I think the meeting goes to 2.30, but that doesn't uh, to 4.30. That doesn't mean I'm going to speak to 428, but it does mean I have a little more time to flow out what's in me. This kind of engagement in warfare is based upon the victory of Christ. That's one reason that we're saying 890, Christ is victor. Our warfare is to apply to the situation. Christ's victory. So we're going to be in all manner of environments that according to appearance are not victorious for anybody. It seems nothing has ever happened to the enemy. It seems he's running wild, doing whatever he wants. Well, don't believe that. We need to believe, based upon the vision, Hebrews 2.14. The Lord destroyed him who had the power of death. That is the devil. We need to believe, according to John 12, that the ruler of this world has been cast out. We need to believe, according to Revelation 1.18, that the Lord is the living one. He became dead, and behold, he is living forevermore, and he has the gates of death and Hades. He went down into Hades, according to 1 Peter 3, he proclaimed his victory to the spirits that were bound, they were so evil, announced to them his victory over their leader, that he walked out of death with the keys of death and Hades in his hands. He is victor. Now he's on the throne. He has the highest name in the universe. This is the spiritual fact. Now we're going to be in situations that according to appearance contradict this. All right, I was in such a situation Tuesday night. The Lord covers me to tell you a little about this, but not to identify the person. I had returned from Peru the previous night. And I had to put in a full day of work by the Lord's grace. After about 12 hours labor, I was done. And I was exhausted. I prayed to have enough energy to drive home safely, or not fall asleep at a red light, right? But the Lord came in. I got home, and what I had in mind was to go to bed real early, like before 9 o'clock. But then a call came from a certain person. And there were two stages of this phone call. The first was the fellowship about something. Then the second stage began, I could tell it began when the one speaking brought up this question. Then I realized, okay, we're going to be here for a while and I'm not going to bed for a while and I need to listen for a while to understand the situation. And so then after about an hour... Uh, some, pl- some supply was rendered and I had the feeling we will end this long distance call by praying. And almost the entire prayer consisted in speaking directly to the enemy. Just as Brother Lee personally coached and instructed us some of us to pray when we were meeting with him in the last months of his life the enemy was directly attacking this person without any kind of limitation placed on him then we began to speak in the principle of the body you were judged you were destroyed on the cross you are defeated Jesus is Lord Christ is victor and now we mock you we laugh at you we're glad there's a lake of fire for you. Amen. Prepare just for you. And that's where you're going. Fear and tremble. Amen. Well, I didn't feel, didn't feel like it. But war doesn't come at times of convenience. And we have to believe that if we're brought into something, the supply of the body will be there. And as we prayed, we touched Christ's victory. And there's a principle. It's in James and it's in 1 Peter. Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Both involve the will. Am I right? Submit yourself to God. That's the will like the flowing hair. Resist the devil. That's the will like a tower. The Lord needs to raise up in Europe these kinds of persons, not in large numbers. I, I didn't come here to address a big congregation. I would come here to speak to 20 people. I mean it. I'm not after a, an event with huge numbers of people to justify coming over. The Lord will raise up seekers lovers who as the bride they just are loving him and their love is being perfected eventually out of love their will is subdued they submit to him but toward the enemy they are fierce just like song of songs she's terrible some say beautiful look like the sun like the moon others say terrible as an army with bandits. The rebellion of the enemy caused God a great problem. Now God must have his overcomers on the earth loving him, enjoying him but entering into this dimension of their corporate life. There is a war. We live in a state of war whether we have a report of a battle today or not. We are in a state of war. The universe is in a state of war. And especially regarding Europe, it will get more intense. There will be ten kings aligning themselves with the beast and fighting against the lamb. This is not a place for marshmallows. Right? This is a place for those that are willing, and this is another aspect, To lose their soul. To lose their soul for the sake of this fight. You read the glorious church in that first chapter. Brother Nee talks about doing the work of God. The work of God is to cause the enemy to suffer loss. And Brother Nee points out. In in serving in many aspects of the Lord's service. You can reserve something for yourself. In preaching the gospel. In teaching the truth in caring for the church but in dealing with the enemy there can be nothing left for the self. I first read this in 1968 just before we went to Taiwan, 140 of us. I was young, still in my 20's but I was enlightened by that and I remember praying and giving myself to the Lord. This was 39 years ago I'm like you I'm still in a work in progress but I knew what I was doing I was enlightened by the ministry you leave me alone with the Bible I never would have seen it I needed the ministry and someone who is in the reality of what he was talking about saying if you want to do the work of God to recover this earth for the Lord and to evict the enemy there can be no ground left to the self I already knew what the self was but I knew that I was full of it whatever it was I got a lot of it and I had a helper helping me realize this and I look back upon these last 39 years and the Lord was faithful to that okay okay You must must enter into a training that you've never imagined. This is a real fight. You love yourself, you spare yourself, you live for yourself, you can't fight. And in another message, Brother Nee says this, The enemy fears only one kind of person. And that is a person who does not love his soul life. Now, when you hear this, right away you may have the thought or the enemy whispered into your mind and pretend it's your thought. Oh, I can't be this. I love myself. I'm in myself. That's a lie. I used to think it was impossible. Now I testify to you, it's easy. You just let the Lord live in you. Let Christ live in you. He's the person who did, never did anything for himself. He never spoke from himself. He didn't save his own life, He gave Himself up for us. You love Him, you enjoy Him, you let Him live in you, and He will reproduce Himself as this kind of person. Amen. So I hope you have some feeling, maybe I've given the message already, without hardly reading anything, uh, what we're involved in. And it's not just one day symbolically speaking, will be on white horses and go to Armageddon. The only persons who will be at Armageddon were those who learned to fight while they were living on this earth, while they were pursuing the Lord, while they were in the church life. War is not strange to them. There was, I don't know what his rank was, maybe a colonel in the Vietnam War era. Very touching story. That he personally trained his own troops. And then he led them into battle. And their method was you know, to descend by helicopter. And this was his practice. I will be the first one to step off this copter, and I'll be the last one to get on. That was his practice. And you know, this was the story that was being told. Well, the Lord is like this. He's the first one to step into the conflict, to deal with the enemy on the cross, to triumph in resurrection and ascension. Now he is training us to be the same as He is. He will lead us into a fight that He's thoroughly familiar with. He will be the first one to put His foot on the battleground. And He'll be the last one to leave the scene of battle because He's not leaving any one of us behind. Praise the Lord! This is not some dramatic description of spiritual experience okay this is the universe okay this is the situation there is an enemy in the air who has the world system on the earth who has usurped humanity and is controlling everyone through the world system and now the lord chooses to come back right to the earth. And set up his throne in Jerusalem. This will be fiercely contested. We have to know this. And so our response is, then so be it. If it's war you want, then it's war you'll get. But we are on the side of the victor, and we don't go plunge directly into war. We live the body life. We live the married life. And then when the husband says, dear, it's time to go, we go. I I believe Revelation seventeen, twelve through fourteen will be fulfilled exactly. There will be the ten kings. They will be in Europe. Okay? They're not going to be in Australia. They're going to be in Europe. They're going to be in some of the countries where you're from. They will give their power and authority to Antichrist. Together they will war against the Lamb. The Lamb will overcome them. Because He already has overcome the enemy. And those that are with Him, the called, the chosen, and the faithful, will also overcome them. Now, Shoele 3.11 in its context says this first the nations are gathered to this battle scene Armageddon then the second part of verse 11 says there meaning Armageddon let your mighty ones descend O Jehovah you look at the note in the recovery version the mighty ones are the overcomers that composed the Lord's army spoken of in Revelation. Maybe you never thought of yourself as a mighty one. Why not pray sometime before you go to sleep tonight? Lord, make me a mighty one for your army. This is the word of God. I'd love to have this on my wall. There, cause your mighty ones to descend. Where is there? That's at the Battle of Armageddon. The Lord is not going to come alone. He's going to come with mighty ones. An army composed of mighty ones. We're not here to be passive wimps in the presence of the enemy. We're here to be constituted mighty ones for God's interests. Before the kingdom would come, the resistance has to be broken. Right? It has to. A couple years ago, as a result of actually much anguish, much anguish, I had to give this message in one of the Wednesday night meetings on war. And prior, in preparing that message, I drew up a list of points, a couple of dozen points that just came to mind about the nature of spiritual warfare. And I stand by those because they're according to the word and according to the experience of the body. But I was shepherded in a most precious way after that meeting by a brother in the middle-aged training who had had at least 20 years of combat experience. He really knew war. And he he sought me out and he was walking with me out of the meeting hall and he said, I want to tell you that every point is exactly true of war. He was talking about the type. I don't say this to try to give the impression I have I'm a military strategist in the spiritual realm. I'm just saying at least we know a little of direct involvement There's no other way. Because there's an enemy. And he's crazy. And he's rebellious. And he's stubborn. And God needs an instrument to deal with him. He is so crazy, the enemy. Even after a thousand years in the abyss, he's let out. He's the same. He's the same. So the last act is to throw him into the lake of fire. That's where He belongs. We should share the Lord's feeling about this. No tears for the devil. Okay, sisters? Okay? No sympathy for evil spirits. No tears for the enemy. Well, I can speak about this, I believe, more freely in Europe than any other place where I've addressed this because this is where the ten kings are going to be and before these ten kings come before the Antichrist has his army in Europe the Lord is going to produce mighty ones in Switzerland in Austria in Greece in Germany in Spain in Norway don't be you know in Denmark in all the countries There will be testimonies of victory. Maybe just small meetings. But there will be golden lampstands. Dotting the European continent. Proclaiming to the heavens. We are here as a testimony of the victory of Christ. We know the enemy will come. The antichrist will be manifested. We know that's going to happen. And we know the believers will suffer. But we also know there will be the descent of the mighty ones. And the enemy will be defeated and the kingdom of God will come in. Why Why? Why it's Europe? I don't know. Why the Lord arranged the geography of the world for this reason? I don't know. But that's the way it is. And there's something in me, I believe it's of the Lord's grace, that is fully prepared to fight with you for Europe. For the Lord to gain what he wants in Europe. In his way and his time. Say amen. Amen. Not everything has to be with Southern California ease. We're not in a Maui recovery. We're in a warfare recovery. And may the Lord raise up a good number from the various countries to have this vision of the body, the bride, and the army, and to come to Europe, enjoy the Lord, love the Lord, lose your soul life, be constituted into an army, and be produced as a mighty one to descend there on that day. All right, let me read through the outline, and then you'll have ample time to share. Spiritual warfare is necessary because Satan's will is set against God's will. Just set against it. If we would know how the church can be God's warrior to engage in spiritual warfare, we need to realize that in the universe there are three wills. The divine will, the satanic will, and the human will. Spiritual warfare has its source in the conflict between the divine will and the satanic will. As the church, our fighting is to subdue the satanic will and to defeat God's enemy. I would emphasize this word, subdue. and ask you have you been subdued by the Lord to be defeated that's somewhat outward you're overcome by a a greater you know force or foe but inwardly in your being you may never give in. A positive illustration of this uh, is, is is Poland. I don't know too much about Poland. I visited there a couple times. But the brothers there, they told me that the enemies, they never subdued the Poles. They never subdued them. Even you destroy that precious sector of Warsaw, but City center, see not downtown, that's America. City center. They have rebuilt it according to plans that they had. This is a positive illustration. Inwardly, they're not overcome. But looking at this from another side, the Lord needs to subdue us. So that there is nothing in our being, especially our soul, contrary to it. Otherwise we can't fight. How are you going to subdue a foe when you're not subdued? So part of the training of us, you may think, I'm, I'm going to go into battle, we're one of those kings. Of, no, 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 you're not quite ready to go into the ring with the king. <laughs> you, you've got to be subdued first. How the Lord will subdue you, uh, I don't know, but I assure you, it will be ingenious. It It will be very wise, and the body will know. Because the tone of your spirit, the way you release your spirit, the way you pray will testify. This prayer is issuing from a subdued sister or brother. We will not only defeat the enemy, he has to be subdued until there is no capacity in him to fight anymore. We will not negotiate. I believe this is the way real commanders fight. We're not diplomats. If you want want diplomats, then you contact somebody else. We're not politicians either. We're not negotiating anything. Our terms are unconditional surrender. And the enemy will not unconditionally surrender himself and say, okay, then lake of fire. Lake of fire. So this word subdued, actually it's a word Brotherly uses quite often in relation to the will. We need to be subdued. So please don't act subdued for 15 minutes after the meeting. Don't go around with what you think is a subdued look. And don't try to figure out to what extent you've been subdued. Don't send me emails asking me to tell you, Who am I to tell you? You just tell the Lord, Subdue me. Make your home in me in such a way that I am subdued by you. I'm in harmony with you. Every part of my being is one with you. KB, the purpose of spiritual warfare is to bring in the kingdom of God. Not only to subdue the enemy and have a vacuum, we must bring in the kingdom of God. Spiritual warfare is the warfare between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. Uh, several months ago, a dear brother sent me a lengthy article about atheism in France. And there's one rather charismatic person. People are flocking to him like he's some kind of guru. They even have candles there. They realize... For atheists, they are awfully religious. (laughs) And and, and this guy is receiving their veneration, you know? So you go into France, post-Christian France, if you know anything about their philosophies, there's no truth. To them, truth is just a social construct of something. There's no God, God. They used to say, you know, Nietzsche grieved or, or... had some reaction over the death of God. Now they don't care. It's a given. There's no God. God is dead. France is one of the frauds. Sorry, France is one of the darkest places on the earth. But we're going there to be the light of the world, to bring in the kingdom of God. We know it won't come in full. But we'll be in Paris, we'll be in Marseille, we'll be in Bordeaux, we'll be in Montpellier, we'll be in so many places as lampstands testifying the kingdom of God is in France, Amen. in Germany, in Switzerland. Amen. Two, the kingdom of God is the exercise of the divine will and the overthrowing of the power of Satan by the power of God. This will largely be by our prayer. Outwardly, we're powerless. We're just little ones. But the prayer, when we touch it, will carry out God's administration. The work of the church on earth is to bring in the kingdom of God. So it's not just to have enjoyable meetings that we're happy with, we enjoy the Lord. We have to have the view of this dimension. Our task is to bring in the kingdom. We're in Europe to bring in the kingdom. We know what we're doing here. I say we because I may live in California. I don't spend that much time in California. And as long as the Lord wills, and there's the peace in the body and the grace in my spirit. I'm going to come and be with you again and again and again. Right? But that depends on, you know, that's under the, my hair is long and flowing. And that depends on the Lord's leading and the feeling in the body and the supply of grace. But that's my heart. That's my spirit. I am 100% for this move. Now the second section. We read and then you get to speak. According to Revelation 19, through 21, Christ will come as a fighting general with his bride, the overcoming believers who are his army, to fight against Antichrist, the kings under him, and their armies at Armageddon. I don't know if CNN will be functioning by then, uh, at least Fox we Will give something fair and balanced, they say. What a news report! I, I, who's going to want to be on the scene? You want to be online? You'd be right there? All the armies of the earth are gathering at Armageddon. And it really looks bad for Israel. It's really fierce. And they're chanting. Following Christopher Hitchens from the UK. God is not great. God is not great. According to Daniel, Antichrist will worship what is called the God of fortresses, whatever that is. The God of weaponry, of power, of force. He's the one that will demand to be worshipped in the temple. This is actually going to happen. The greatest clash the earth has ever seen. And what my hope, and your hope, is that whether we finish our course before and rest in Jesus, and are raptured as the man-child, or whether we're here to be raptured as the first fruit, my hope and expectation is to be at the throne first, to be in the wedding feast with you, to descend to the air, and to come to Armageddon as the army. I believe we'll remember this afternoon's message. After that battle, you just say, it happened. Here we are. Praise the Lord. Then we will sing, hallelujah, Christ is victor. Then we'll sing, fight the battle in the body. Amen. Amen? Amen? Under the instigation of Antichrist, man will wage war against the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Christ is God coming to fight against rebellious mankind. And mankind is represented by a man who is one with Satan, Antichrist. These two parties, Christ and Antichrist, will fight. Man will fight against God directly. It's already happening. When Richard Dawkins puts out a book called The God Delusion, he's fighting against God he's supposed to be this great intellectual. The book is fraud. The arguments are a sham. It's not even intellectually respectable. One atheist reviewer says, this book makes me ashamed to be an atheist. (laughs) But it indicates the spirit that's forming. Don't be shocked. Don't be dismayed. This is just a prelude. The enemy will have ground in, in the culture, in the minds of the people to fight directly against him. But, before that happens, the Lord is going to produce overcomers out of these same countries. Make them part of his army and descend with them. B, when Christ comes with his army to fight against Antichrist and his armies, he will come as the Son of Man. See, he has to be as a man in the principle of the creature, dealing with the creature. As the son of man, he will need a counterpart to match and complete him. This counterpart will be his bride. Before his coming back, Christ will have a wedding, uniting his overcomers to himself as one entity. Isn't this marvelous utterance from Brother Lee's ministry? What light! We're going to be united to him as one entity. How can he come back alone? He's now married to us. We're inseparably joined to him. Christ will marry the one who has been fighting the battle against God's enemy for years. I mentioned this. That if I were getting married again, I would want a bride to realize you are marrying a warrior. If you expect everything to be just so easygoing and you want me to settle down with you in Malibu and live five minute drive from our kids and we can take our grandkids to Legoland uh, every other month, then you, you have the wrong brother in mind. Okay? And I obviously have the wrong sister in mind. So if you want this kind of life, then you find a brother that wants Christ and the church and Southern California all in one package. But I have seen something of the Lord in the word through the ministry. I'm aware there's a battle raging and I can't fight this battle alone and surely the one closest to me and who's one with me has to be my companion in war. You have to free me to travel, to fight and I've got to know when I'm fighting that you're praying for me and covering me. Well, this is just a human illustration. The Lord is looking for that. So if you want to be in the army then, you need to be in the army today. So just give yourself to the Lord. You need to know Him in this aspect as the commander-in-chief. Be enlightened to see there's war going on. Just present yourself to Him. He will do everything. Right? He knows what you need. He knows when you need it. He knows how to perfect you. He knows how to gain in you. He just needs your love, your faith, and your openness. He will reproduce himself in you and you will be fierce. One sister came to me and she said some sisters were burdened to pray about literally a life and death situation involving a young sister who was really critical. And they asked, can we pray to bind the enemy? I said, of course you can. This is not just a male thing. You are covered. When you pray, you are covered. Literally and spiritually. You are members of the body. You're praying in the principle of the body. And if you need more covering, I'll cover you. We'll cover you. You just go and pray. In the the Lord's name, with his authority. And they dealt with that situation. And that situation turned. Because these sisters were fierce when it came to fighting against the enemy in prayer. They realized it was not of the Lord for this young sister to die. It was not of the Lord. It was not the Lord's time for this to happen to her. This situation must be changed. And the enemy had to back off. And Christ was victor in that situation. And I believe the sisters learned something. But they have to be in order, and they have to be headed up, and they have to be subdued, just as the brothers do. I believe there was a powerful prayer meeting in Mary's house in Acts 12. James had just been killed. What a shock. Peter in prison with the intention of being executed. That was Herod's intention. But the church. No accident. It was in Mary's house. I believe they were praying in the Lord's name. I believe they were praying with authority. I believe they were fierce. It's because they prayed. The angel appeared. Do you think he just, on his own, decided to go to Jerusalem to visit Peter? The church is praying. God hears the prayer. God dispatches an angel saying, You release Peter. You go into his prison cell. Wake him up and get him out of there. We need this kind of prayer when it's time for us to be martyred we'll be martyred but if the enemy puts us in jail and it's not the time for us to come to an end you pray sisters until the angel comes and opens the door we're really in this battle together i cannot travel and i cannot minister without the prayers of the sisters in the churches and the prayers of the saints generally we are in a war together even giving such a message entails a certain amount of risk but i'm not afraid of anything because i'm in the body i'm covered by the body i'm covered by the blood of jesus i'm under the vision of the victory of christ and i know the devil's in the lake of fire i know europe will rise up in rebellion But I also know from Revelation 17, the Lord's going to descend with His mighty ones, and that will clear up Europe, and the kingdom of God will come. Glory, hallelujah, amen! Amen. In Revelation 19, Christ will marry the overcomers who have already overcome the evil one. After His wedding, Christ will come with His bride to destroy Antichrist. The wedding garment Christ lived out of us as our daily righteousness, qualifies us not only to attend the wedding, but also to join in the army to fight with Christ against Antichrist in the ultimate war, the war at Armageddon. After the body is built up by the overcomers according to the Lord's satisfaction. Things will change fast, fast. How long we have yet in the age of grace, the age of the church and of mystery, we don't know. And the Lord is looking for a representative building up of the body through the overcomers. When we will reach that point, we don't know now. But I believe, somehow, through the ministry and the blending will know. The Lord will give us some indication of where we are. He will know what to say to us. This series of messages didn't just come from my imagination. I dare to say with real humility this came from the being of God Himself. He wants us to know the situation of His economy and the body in relation to the consummation of the age. So that He has given us time. Don't think He will speak to us and say, Sorry, you don't have time. It's happening at, at, at 5.45 this afternoon. So No, He's not like that. He's not playing with us. He's for us. But He needs us to respond to Him, to contact Him, to give Him the room in us, so that we can be the body at the same time. We have the love of the bride. At the same time, we're learning how to fight so don't examine where you are if you're just entering this as a private I assure you in the body there are experienced warfares we will learn to fight the army will be in order we will all be subdued to our captain and we will be a fierce entity to deal with the enemy we're not just going to take Europe back to the Lord we're going to recover the whole earth so come back tomorrow for the stone dealing with the human image and the mountain filling the whole earth. So we'd like to hear from you. Follow the spirit as you did this morning and just stand there. The mic will come. Speak out what's in you. Okay? Praise the Lord.